Welcome to Brief Success Radio, the podcast that brings you the most up-to-date information on training, nutrition, lifestyle and business with your host, Helda Barroso. What's going on guys welcome to another breed success radio episode today i'm really happy to have on board with me emma wennington uh emma is a nutritionist an expert in the female nutrition is that right emma yes i have three areas of uh, specialism so i look i specialize in digestion uh autoimmune conditions and female hormone imbalances amazing so emma introduce yourself to to the audience let them know who you are your full background uh, I know you said a little bit about it already, but um, so what, what, what's going on? Who's, who's Emma? Who's me? Right. Okay. So I am, we'll talk about who me as a person is. Um, so I'm married with two children. I have a teenager and an eight-year-old, so that keeps me quite busy. Um, and I've been running my business for, well, my business has evolved. I've been running my own business for eight years. Um, and in the last few years, I've um, qualified and developed in nutrition. Um, and I'm now running my clinic. I run it from here, as you can see. Um, at the moment, I'm not seeing clinic, uh, clients face to face. I'm yeah. just seeing clients over Zoom. So yes. uh, that isn't a problem. It doesn't change anything that I do. Of course. Um, and I have two sides to my clinic. So I have the specialist side, which I've already mentioned. So the digestion, the autoimmune and female hormone imbalances. And then I have my everyday nutrition. So that's for people, probably perfect for what we're talking about today a little bit as well. Mm. People who just want to eat a bit better. People who have chosen a special dietary choice, maybe they're vegan or vegetarian, and aren't quite nailing it and don't really know why they're not nailing it. Mm. Um, so to help those sorts of people. But perfect. I guess my passion really is along the digestion and autoimmune and uh, female hormone imbalances. That's my that's my passion. Amazing. Um, and it covers so many people, so many people who, you know, actually probably don't even realize that they are on the path to being unwell um, mm. and think life is great. But they could make some really, really simple changes to their life, which would be preventative. And that that's where we are in the world at the moment. We need to be in a preventative mindset. Well, hopefully we can touch on some of those basic things that people can start implementing into their lifestyle pretty much as, yes. as of today. Probably going to be hard the next few days with Christmas in, in a way, but uh, maybe in a new year, this could be something that they can start implementing. So when you say, I find it very interesting that you said there that, you know, people may have no symptoms whatsoever digestive wise, but they may still have some issues. What do you mean by that? So if we talk about sort of like the common symptoms that people associate with something not being right with their digestion. So mm. those things are things like bloating. Those things are cramps. Those things are nausea. Those things are, are changes to their bowel habits. Maybe, maybe they're constipated one minute and then have diarrhea the next. Um, maybe they just don't feel like eating. So they're all typical things that everybody would associate with their gut not working properly because mm. they're, they're symptoms of the gut. Yes. However, um, people, there are so many symptoms that people wouldn't necessarily, necessarily associate with their gut. So people can have headaches and migraines. 
originates in the gut mm. uh, a lot of the time. Uh, people can have pain in their joints. People can have autoimmune conditions, which again all stems from the gut. People can have skin conditions, female hormone imbalances. You know, there's a big there's a big part of the gut um, that that's responsible for that yes. and the way in which we eat. So there are so many symptoms that actually boil down to the way in which we're, A, what we're eating, yeah. how we're using that food, and then how we're then getting rid of that food. Because yes. every piece of, everything that goes into our body has to be broken down and has to be detoxified. Everything goes through a detoxification process. Doesn't matter mm. what it is, it does, including hormones. Um, and if that isn't working effectively, then that causes us a problem. Yes. And there's things that we can do with our digestion to support all of those other functions. So the way to look at our gut and to look at digestion is that it really is the cornerstone and the foundation to being well in every other part of your body. Mm. So, you know, you, you know, you probably see people on a daily basis that come to you with lots of different issues. And I feel that people nowadays kind of, kind of think it's normal yes. to, to live yes. with, with, you know, like you said, migraines, skin issues, yeah. and they have no connection that it may be due to uh, their digestion not working very, very well, autoimmune diseases, yeah. uh, but also just the basics of a little bit of diarrhea here and there, a little bit of constipation here and there, a bit of bloating, a bit of cramping, you know, people are, uh, acid reflux is a massive one, yeah. you know, yeah. people just take medications for, oh yeah, I've got a bit of acid, I had a bit of alcohol last night. I just take an antacid and I'll be okay. Yeah. And, you know, they live with it and, you know, it almost gets to a point where it becomes the normality for people. They're used to those symptoms mm -hmm. and they carry on their life as per normal because, yes. because everyone else around them is living the same life as they are. Mm -hmm. They then feel, well, this just must be normal. It, mm -hmm. it is what it is. So when you see that, what's your approach towards that? Well, I think there are there are two different things to say there, I think. I think the first thing that I explain to all my patients is any symptom is the body's way of saying and telling you that something is out of balance. And all that means is that the body is getting too much of something or too little of something, so it's then doing too much of something or too little of something. Mm. So it's actually, you know, the body is so clever and it tells us if something isn't right. Mm. But we're brought up in a world where we're brought up that we go to the doctors or we go to the chemist and somebody gives us something. Yes. And they give us something and it takes it away. But what it does is it masks that over symptom. the problem. Yes. It doesn't change the underlying reason. Like a plaster, right? Over the over Abs the cup. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Now, yeah. My, my dad was a stubborn old man and he used to say, I'm not taking painkillers for anything because if I take a painkiller, I don't know whether I'm getting better. It's true. And, and he Basics. was right. Absolutely. Was absolutely right. Whereas I'd sit there and go, well, just, just give me a paracetamol. I've got a headache. In yes. the old days, I don't get headaches anymore because I've yeah. cleaned up my life. Yes. But I think, and, and I also think that the world is changing but the knowledge isn't out there that a symptom tells us there's something wrong. Mm. We just believe, like you say, that 
you know, oh, it's all right to have a headache now and then, and oh, it's all right to have a bit of constipation, and it can't be anything I'm doing. The, the body just isn't having a good day. Mm. Well, actually, that isn't right. So what I do with my clients is I plot all of their symptoms on a great big matrix, and I look at how they all link together. And when I look at how they all link together, I can look and see where that underlying imbalance is. And mm. then I can work with my, with my clients to, to try and resolve that. Yes. Um, and, the, you know, the thing that I always do to begin with is put the foundations in. Um, you know, you, the, there's lots of nutritionists out there. Yes. And by the way, team, you need to be looking for a registered nutritionist, not just a nutritionist, a registered nutritionist. Yeah. There's lots of people out there that will want to jump straight in with probiotics because it's sexy and mm. because there are there's lots of good science about it and mm. i'm not saying that they aren't helpful and i'm not saying that our gut flora isn't linked with massive adva uh, advances in science you know and is the next is the, the thing that is going to save us all mm. but we need to be looking at some of the basics first yes you know and i've got you know, if somebody asks me what my top tips are for having a healthy gut, you know, the first thing is to chew our food properly. Yes. You know, and I know that, you know, maybe you've got some new mums out there or maybe you've got some mums out there where their kids are five, six, seven years old. Yes. And I guarantee you that none of the, none of them people chew their food properly. Yeah. And I know that because I've been there and I've done that. You know, and me and my husband used to take shifts. So he would have the baby while I was eating my dinner. And while mm. you're eating your dinner, you're not eating your dinner. You're not relaxing. What you're yeah. doing is, how quickly can I get this down? The baby's crying. The baby needs feeding. Yes, yes, and yes. And that's what you do. So why do you need to chew your food properly? Because people may not understand that. Mm. Well, there's lots of reasons why you need to chew your food properly. First of all, you need to have a psychological reaction to that food. So your brain needs to tell your stomach that you are starting to expect food. And when it begins to know that it's going to expect food, mm. it starts to begin to release all the stomach juices, we'll call them those, that it needs to digest the food properly. Digestive enzymes, basically. So we're talking about, we're talking about stomach acid, hydrochloric yeah. acid, and we're talking about digestive enzymes, yes. Yeah. Um, so it starts to tell it that that is what is happening. So it's yes. already starting to release a little bit of that. Also, when you're chewing your food, you're also beginning to break down carbohydrates in your mouth. It's the first stage. Now, what we say is to chew your food to a baby-like consistency, which takes more chewing than most people are used to because it's just a habit. We put it mm. in, we chew it three or four times, oh, that and down, down throw, yes. and down it goes. But what you're not doing is you're not breaking it down sufficiently. So things like pro, you won't be you won't be breaking down protein and you won't be breaking down fat um, if you're not chewing it properly. Mm. You know, now your mouth can't physically break that down, but by yes. the mechanical factor of chewing it, yes. you are helping your gut out. So when it actually gets down to your stomach, that's where the protein can be digested properly. But if you're giving your stomach a harder job by not chewing your food properly, it could be that you're actually not digesting that protein properly at all. Yes. And when you don't do that, it, put it putrefies and mm. that leads to bacteria and that leads to all sorts of things that, you know, are going to disrupt your whole gut. Mm. And when we talk about the guts, we're talking about everything from the mouth down through the whole digestive tract, yeah. right down to the anus. 
So we're yes. talking about the whole tract, the whole not, just, not just the stomach, it's the whole health Of course, bed. of course. And while, you know, you're thinking about eating, the other thing which is really um, underestimated and brushed aside, mm -hmm. and another thing that happens with new mums is that if you're stressed, again, you will not digest your food properly. It's physically impossible to digest your food properly because, you know, we may have been around for millions of years, but we haven't evolved that quickly. We evolve mm. really slowly. Yeah. So when we were hunters and gatherers, the stress... You're going to talk about the parasympathetic and the sympathetic system. I am, in a yes. very brief, yes. in a very, very brief totally. way. I knew you were going down that route. So it's so important for stress. Of course, of course. When we were hunters and gatherers, we were faced with that question. Yeah. Do we do we run away from that bear that wants us for his dinner, or do we stay and fight that bear? Yes. And that's what our body still believes. It might not be about a bear, but mm. it might be about how you're going to pay the bills. It's the it stress. Might, it's whatever that perceived stress is. Yes. So whilst your body is in a heightened state of stress, your, your stomach will not produce hydrochloric acid. It will yeah. not produce stomach acid. So you cannot break it down. Yeah. So that's one side. To Can I ask you a question based on the chewing? So, you know, with a lot nowadays, people chew a lot of chewing gum, as an example. Mm. And you know how we said, obviously, you know, the, the, the chewing process start yeah. releasing digestive enzymes, hydrochloric acid starts thinking there's food coming. Um, what happens with that? Is, is there any negatives, I guess, to, to chewing gum? I think the answer to that is it depends how long you're chewing it for and how often you're doing it. Mm. Obviously, if you're doing that and it is a regular occurrence, your stomach will be producing some stomach acid. It's not going to be producing huge amounts, but you're also swallowing. So while you're doing that, you're swallowing and you are producing a reaction. Mm. So in my view, chewing gum is not ideal. Mm. But it depends why people are doing it. Yes. And it's always to do with, you know, what is the greater good to some extent? What yeah. else could we do to replace that? Is it a nervous thing? Yes. You know, what, what is it? Because if it's a is nervous thing. Is it a habit? Thing, yeah. Is it a habit? Is it a nervous thing? So what yeah. can we do to take that habit away to remove yes. those nerves and give something else? Yes. So it's, you know, a lot of my job is about getting to the underlying reason of things. Of course. And it's, and it's about questioning because nothing is always straightforward. No, absolutely um, not. So, yeah, so, we, so we're, talking about, we're going back to stress and we're talking yes. about stress while we're yes. eating. Sorry so, to interrupt you there. I no, just wanted to ask you a question before we moved on to something else. That's, that's absolutely fine. So when we are stressed, your body diverts all its energy away from almost like secondary processes. Kind of a survival so, mechanism, you know, isn't it? Yeah, so it gets your heart. So when you're stressed, your heart pumps faster. More That's oxygen right. goes to your lungs. Yeah. Your, you know, your muscles are ready to fight. But it takes, it takes energy and focus away from digestion. It takes energy and focus away from things like reproductive factors. Yes, hormones. It, yeah, it's yeah. not, it's not needed in that specific. No, moment. because only all the body wants to do is survive for that exactly. stress. Ex yeah. Exactly. So. This has such a massive impact on people that are eating whilst they are stressed. Of course. So, number one, chew your food to a baby-like consistency. Yep. Number two, sit down to eat. Yes. Don't eat on the run. We're all eat on the go. 
Yeah, we're all guilty of it sometimes. Absolutely, absolutely. With, with my job, you know, I'm constantly client after client, client after client, and it, I, I have five minutes sometimes to get food down me, and there's now my next client's coming. It's, and it's five hours in a row, I need to eat. You know what I mean? It's hard for a lot of people out there with work, not just being mums and dads, but, you know, a lot of high, high stressful jobs. Yeah. Jobs, for example, hairdressers, barbers, who have got client after client after client, they have no time to eat. So And, and our NHS workers. Yeah, absolutely. Doctors, exactly uh, yeah. nurses. Yeah. I mean, and you know, they, they're probably, we're probably the ones suffering the most with this situation where we can't sit down for 15, 20 minutes, half an hour to eat our meals. Um, so if you have nurses, if you have doctors come to you with these situations, what do you suggest in that? In that, in that you suggest they don't eat, maybe? No, no. I, your... you know, I, I think what the suggestion is, is to have something in your bag, have a snack available, have something that's healthy. And we can all find 15 minutes in our day. Yeah. We can all do that. Yes. You know, and it, it's about looking at when you are going to get that gap and having the food ready and having yes. something because, you know, the other thing. Planning in advance, isn't it? It is. It's about have that thought at the beginning of the week to know where your weaknesses are, know where your challenges are, yes. and plan for them and prepare for them. Absolutely. And, you know, you're right. I, you know, I see a lot of clients who don't eat properly through the day. And they come home and what they do is they open the fridge and they empty the fridge out. into their mouth. Yes, yes. Because it's like they're saying, oh, I'm so hungry, I need that, give me food. Of course, of course. And that's the classic hangry effect. Yes. Because not only are they hungry, but they're irritable. They yeah. don't quite feel right. Yeah. And, you know, maybe they're dehydrated as well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we talk about digestion and just talk about food. We should be talking about water. Hydration, hydration absolutely. As well. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the key things, you know, it might, you might feel hungry, but are you hungry or are you thirsty? Now, obviously, if you've not eaten for five hours, you're, you're going to be hungry. Yes. But, you know, if you're hungry after you ate an hour ago, well, try having some water, try having some fluid first. Yes. Um, so there's lots of tips. So we've talked about chewing your food. We've talked about stress. Yeah. And then my other favorite tip, which is really challenging for some people is sim it's a real simple one, cook from scratch. Real it's, simple. It's simple but challenging for the most of the population. It is, now I've got a client at the moment and I set her this challenge, um, I've just seen her for a follow up, so I set her this challenge five weeks ago and, the and I said to her, how often do you cook from scratch? And she kind of ummed and ahed and went a bit quiet and I went, okay, well, let's think about what's going to be a sensible challenge for you. And her challenge was to cook from scratch twice a week. And she's achieved that. And I would rather set a goal of cook that's achievable. A realistic than, goal. Than, than setting something which Absolutely. is going to be massively unattainable for most people. Absolutely, yeah. Because so they, won't, they won't do it. They don't just quit, right? They'll get demotivated. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, what I'm about and, and what people need to get into their brain is it's not about going on a 30-day challenge to change their life. I it's totally agree. It's not about going on a 30-day diet. It's not sustainable. Because you've not bought into that. Absolutely. You know, you know? What, it, what it is, is just, there's a beginning and an ending. To me, there's not a beginning and an ending to all the stuff we're talking about. It's, it's lifestyle yes. that needs to yes. be happening on a day-to-day -day basis forever. Yes. 
and everybody's in a different place. So this particular client, I will see her again at the end of January. I've upped her eating from scratch to three times a week. Brilliant. And I, and I said to her, do you want it three times or do you want it four times? It's not up to me. You know, so, I'm not. Of course. One. I don't Absolutely. live her life. She lives Absolutely. her life. I, deep down, I was hoping she was going to say four. Yeah, of course. And she, and she said, three. Shall, we do, shall we do three? And I went, do you know what? If it takes another month to get it to does. four, it, it doesn't whatever. matter because once yes. it becomes habit. once it becomes habit, and once there's a lot of fear in it, and there's a lot of well, what am I going to cook, and how am I going to cook it, and have I got time to cook it, and once people get over this, then it becomes so much easier. Um, can I can I kind of like throw a little bit of spanner in the words here because I just want to be a bit realistic. Um, like we're talking to someone maybe who can cook. Uh, maybe you has time to cook, but let's talk about maybe a male, a male figure, who who has probably never cooked in their life a meal, not even an egg. Maybe a CEO of a company who has no time. They they're traveling everywhere. Maybe not so much now with COVID, but in yeah. in in the future, or they're traveling everywhere. They're on planes. You know how that person managed to still have no gut issues. Mm -hmm. um, and, and not being able to cook from scratch. How would you manage that situation? Well, I think, you know, I've come, because before, before I had my own business, I worked in the corporate world, and those were exactly the sorts of people that I mixed with. Yes. Exactly. So I know what their lives are like. And I think there's a couple of answers to those. The majority of people who um, are in, you know, an executive position and yes. are here, there, and everywhere are here, there and everywhere for two or three days a week. Mm. Not five, yes. and not seven. Yes. Okay? So for them, there's a number of different things. A, stress is going to be massive. So they, Huge, need to yeah. be, they need to be looking at stress. They need to be, if they're flying abroad, they need to be looking at sleep as well. That's massive. Huge. But when it comes down to eating, you know, if they're not at home, they need to be learning to understand what a healthy meal looks like on Absolutely. a menu. Absolutely. And that's challenging because let's be honest, you go into a restaurant and it's not healthy. Even no. if it's labelled healthy, it's not healthy. Not the majority you, of the time anyway. But you can make better choices. choices. Absolutely. And that's what it's about, making better choices. And then, you know, for the other half of the week, let's put it like that, you know, I don't begrudge anybody a treat day because we have to live in this world. Of course, we have of to course. enjoy the world. So for me, it's about saying, when are your treat days? And sticking to those treat days. And what does that treat day look like for you? You know, and is it whatever you want to eat on the evening and a couple of drinks? Is that what it is? Mm. And then for the other days, even for those that can't cook, then that's where their journey starts. Their journey starts with the simplest of things. And for me, one of the easiest ways to cook healthily is to buy a steamer. Yes. Because you can stick your meat or your fish in the bottom if you eat animal protein. You can put your vegetables on the top. And if that means you have to buy some kind of sauce and dressing to begin with, then so be it. Because mm. everybody has to start from somewhere. One basic step at a time, right? And then you build on it. So it doesn't matter what you do, what your life is like. It's about making better choices than today. Of course, of course. And doing it slowly. Yes. Not, not, not going from one extreme to the other with something that you can't sustain in a long term. It becomes a, a bore and it becomes a, a pain in the, in, the yes. in the behind. And you think, oh, forget it. I don't want to do this. It's not part of me. 
And I think something else that's worth noting is our taste buds change. As we get older, oh yeah. And and whatever you're eating at the moment is what your taste buds are are accustomed to, but also Mm. could be what your gut is telling you you want. Yeah. And that is a sign of also you having gut disturbances that need to be sorted out. Yes. So you know it right now you might not feel like having. a chicken and avocado salad because it doesn't appeal to you mm. but actually if you be if you start to have things like that you will start to want it more yes now there's ways of balancing that out and we have to be you know there's also the thing about overstressing about what you're doing yeah that's um, a stress in itself exactly it's counterproductive mm. yeah I, I once had a client whose husband was a pt sorry but he was a pt it's all right there's plenty he, of rubbish pts out there and he used to literally weigh out his portion of oats every morning mm. and it's like you're breaking up okay well you can weigh it out a couple of times because then you get to work out what a, roughly how many calories it is no it's okay now you're back here yeah. back now yeah I'm back now. Sorry yeah, about that. It's okay. Um, so the, the PT would would um, measure out his oats every single morning to get his mm. portion, which yeah. is fine because he, you know, you learn how much it is. Absolutely. But he would have a right. He would have a right stress if he was slightly over it. And I'm like, well, that's just defeated the object. I'd rather you have two grams extra of oats than stress about the fact that you've just eaten two grams extra. Of Absolutely. Oats. Yeah, that's not going to make a huge difference, is it? it it's like. I think this is the thing, we, we, we live in the world of extremes, unfortunately, like yes. you've got, unfortunately, we look, we're looking at someone there with an extreme in terms of maybe the way they look, the way they feel, they want to have portrayed this, this image to the world of, mm. look at me, I'm perfect, I'm doing this perfect to the, to the T. Mm. Then you've got the, the other extreme, which is probably the general population, where they don't know how many calories you're consuming at all, exactly. and they're not yeah. willing to actually do that exercise which i think is a really important exercise in my opinion to know how many calories you're consuming on a day-to-day basis because that's why we're living in a world where obesity is at its highest level because people don't know let me give you a really good example of that um would have been about this uh probably beginning of last year i had a client come to me he was male he was getting on for 50 Mm. and he came to me because he wanted to lose weight and he said to me i've put on two stone in the last however long it is I'm eating really healthily. I really don't know where I'm going wrong. So he sends me his um, his questionnaire and his diary. food diary. And it was really, really obvious right from the beginning. Because what he was having for his breakfast, which he was so which he told me about so proudly was he was having Liz's low sugar granola. So we go, yay! And then, going, calories. And then I'm going, so do you fill your bowl? Do you half fill your bowl? Yeah, 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 yeah. And he's like, well, I just fill my bowl. So I go, How big is your bowl? So I go, so this is a low sugar granola if you have 30 grams. Let me show you how many 30 30 grams grams it is. And he's like, (laughs) oh, right, okay. So we sorted that out and he was drinking, I don't know, three quarters of a bottle of wine several times a week. Yeah, yeah. So I put him on a a plan, which he agreed. He came back... um, four weeks later and literally as he walked through the gate I looked at him and I thought I didn't recognize him I thought you've lost weight and I didn't dare tell him in case I was wrong and yes. I, you know and it was like and I've told him that and he hasn't and he's put it on or something stupid my memory's failed yeah and he'd lost a stone yes and he you know, and, and all we'd done was made really simple changes exactly and, 
Because you know why people don't realize how much they're consuming on a day-to-day -day basis, even though they've made a change of, they may have gone from eating, I don't know, full English to, to granola, just like you said, but they're probably the same amount of calories. Yes, yeah. one, one's going to be probably more nutrient-dense than the yes. other, yeah. uh, and it's probably going to get more vitamins and minerals from that, which is great for health yeah. reasons, but they're still over-consuming calories. So I think it's a great exercise personally, at the beginning especially, when someone is trying to lose weight, yeah. know how many calories you're consuming. And that, that's an exercise I think is a must. But just like you mentioned before, you don't want to be so anal that if you go over two grams of, of oats, you're going to beat yourself up and stress about it. Yeah. it that's, another, that's wrong. It's about awareness, isn't it? Of course and it is. Each client is different and you have to Absolutely. start with does this client actually know what a good healthy diet looks like? Exactly. And if, and if they don't, then it's about explaining what it is. Yes. And I think most people actually kind of do. No. Yeah, of course they do. And, you know, it's like that sometimes people need accountability. And that, need... That's the biggest thing yeah. is accountability. They need somebody that to be accountable to for a period of time and yes. they'll do well. But I guess we're all like that a little bit in our life. I don't know about yeah. you, but, you know, for example, in, in the world of business, I'm not a typical businessman, you know. I've got my own business, but yeah. that's not my priority. Um, therefore, I need someone to be accountable too. So I hired a coach to coach me on the business side of things because I need that accountability on a week-to-week -week basis, month-to-month -month basis to make sure that I'm on point with whatever I'm trying to achieve as a business. Yeah. Um, so I need that. Whereas a lot of the population need the accountability of a coach or a nutritionist or a dietitian to be there to make sure that they are adhering to whatever they think is going to get them there, but also to educate them. I think education is the biggest thing, isn't it? Education is empowerment. And, Absolutely. You know, empowerment is like, that word's gone now. It's kind of like a bit, we don't like that word now. But yeah. it's absolutely true. You know, you have, knowledge is power. And mm. you need to know, and you, and, and when I work with my clients, I work with them so they understand what's going on in their body. And more than that, they understand why. So it's only by they knowing why can they then know what to do Absolutely. to correct it. But that's the point. Knowledge is only power if you use it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And, you know, I think one thing that I do come across quite a lot is people who have symptoms of some description and some some of them are quite serious symptoms that have been going mm. on for a long time it's a chronic illness and they see somebody like me and think that i can fix them overnight that's not gonna happen and it's it, it really won't happen and you know people need to understand like another cliche your health is an investment and you need to invest in it and it takes time and it takes hard work as well. A lot of hard work, yes. And, and it doesn't happen just like that overnight. No. Um, and everybody's in a different starting place. Absolutely. You know, I, need to, I need to improve my diet. You need to improve your diet. There's improvement in everybody's Absolutely. diet. Absolutely. No one's perfect. No. And everybody has to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, so... And I think the other thing, I think there's two other things that are really important to mention. I think yeah. one of them is the role of exercise in digestion. You know, it's, you know, everybody knows that ex exercise is good for them. Yes. But exercise really, really he helps revitalize your digestion. I'm not saying at the same time, obviously. Of course. <laughs> but, I switched off but, at that point. <laughs> yeah, switched off at that point. But yeah. People, you know, it, 
I can't I can't explain enough why you need to do that because it helps with sugar metabolism. Mm-hmm. It turns on what's called GLUT4, which helps you metabolize your your sugars more effectively. Yeah. Um, you know, and it helps like you know, oxygenate your body as we we know all these things, mm. but you need a good blood supply to your gut to yeah. help the absorption of nutrients. So you yeah. need all of that all of that stuff. Um and the other one is supplements. Yes, that's probably the biggest thing that people ask you, I'm sure. This is what can big, I take? This is a big bugbear for me. Yeah. Because people see a supplement as a prescription. They see it as they normally go to the doctors to to come away with some kind of medication. Yeah. They think they'll come to me and I'll give them a supplement which will make them better. And there's a whole host of things to say about supplements. I think the first thing is you should never take a supplement unless you absolutely need to take a supplement because it's it's powerful and it will change the far, it will change the physiology of your body. So you need to only take supplements with the right direction. Um, supplements and medication in some cases do not mix. Mm-hmm. So if you're someone who's got who's taking two, three, four medications or even one you should never just take a supplement because it might interact with it and by interacting with it means that the medication you're taking might be more powerful or less powerful yes so that's really important um you know and the other thing that i see quite a bit is people that you know they'll say oh what supplements are you taking and they'll come in with a bag full of stuff and they'll get them all out on the table and, you know, guaranteed they'll have a multivitamin in, in there and then they'll have something else and they'll have something else. And things that people don't realise is that you've probably got two or three doses of the same thing across a number of different supplements. Yes, yes. And for some people that can be really dangerous depending on what, on what it is. But they yeah. don't realise that. And people tend to think, oh, well, if you can buy it over the counter in your local supermarket, it'll be okay. It'll, it'll be okay. And that's not always the case. No, of course. And you might not need that supplement. You might not need it. So and do you always recommend that someone gets bloods done to see what they may be deficient in? Um, it depends what we're talking about. Mm. So for things like vitamin D, yes, you should always have your vitamin D taken. I would go as far as to say that there will not be many people in this country that will not need to take a vitamin D. Totally agree, 100%. But that doesn't mean to say that if they just go and take one, they're taking the right dose to get them to where they need to be. Mm. And I can't tell anybody what that is unless I know what their vitamin D results are. Mm. Because it depends how deficient you are, how far you need to up it. Well, let's touch a a little bit on vitamin D. I've I've done a lot of research when it comes to vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And if we look at the RDAs of the NHS and the RDAs of the UK and even America, the RDAs are very, very, very small. Like, for example, if you go to the doctors and you have yeah. got very low levels yeah. of vitamin D, they don't even give you 2,000 IUs. Now, looking... There's no at, use to anybody. Exactly. Now, looking at the data and looking at the science out there, the safe, the, the safe place to be between 5,000 and 10,000 IUs, that's what I'm seeing on the, in the papers. So I know a lot of people are not taking 10,000. I wouldn't recommend people taking 10,000. But I also think the RDA is too little. So it's a bit of a, it's it's a bit of one of those things. If you go to your GP today and your GP takes your blood and your vitamin D is low. Yeah. And they'll say, right, you need to up up your vitamin D. Here's the 2,000 IU or even less than that. Yeah. That's not really going to have an impact on on your vitamin D levels. 
So, and then the person's going to believe the GP, right? Right, yeah. So where do we go from there? So for me, I think it's one of those, I think I personally, this is my view on it, based on the papers that I'm seeing, if you shoot for middle, middle of the road, you're going to be, you're going to be there or thereabouts with your, especially in the winter, yeah. you're going to be there or thereabouts by hitting your, your vitamin D sufficiently. Yeah. You want to be around, and everybody's different, and it depends of course. on your weight and on the health of your body. You yeah. need to be around 70, between 70 and 150 nmol. Mm. Okay. Now, if you get your vitamin D levels checked, satisfactory is considered as 50 nmol. Mm. which is way too Which low. is so low, yeah. Now, everybody is different as to how you then increase it up to those levels. So, and, you know, and, there's, and there's things that you can do like loading doses. So yes. you can give more for so many weeks and then you reduce to get it. it up to, and then you reduce it. Now, I have a client who, since April, has been, t has been taking 10,000 um, IU a day, and her levels haven't increased. Wow. Now, that sent me a bit like, ooh, and I felt a bit uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'd looked at the doses she was taking, and I'd looked at what her vitamin D levels were. Now, the, the other issue that goes with this is that this particular client is 5 foot 7 and 20 stone. Wow. And we know that you need X amount of, of IU per kilogram for it to take she's effect. A, she's a big cow. Okay. So that takes it up to the 10,000 IU, mm. but you would still expect it to have changed it to Absolutely, have moved. yeah. So there's a couple of things that you consider with vitamin D. So the, other, the things that you consider with vitamin D are what are the cofactors that we need to help metabolize the vitamin D? You need fats in you need to, fat to make sure, yeah. To help it get through the membranes. K2. K2, but you also need uh, magnesium and yeah. zinc. Yeah. Now she was taking a magnesium supplement, so that clearly wasn't the issue. But what we knew with this client was that she, her body was highly inflamed. So not only is she obese, she has chronic fatigue syndrome, she has fibromyalgia, she's mm. pre-diabetic, um, she's, pre, she's perimenopausal. Yeah, so markers are very the, poor, yeah. So there's all sorts of stuff that's going, going on. on in there. So what we actually did, which is not what I would recommend anybody to do off their own back. Of course. Is... We, I have recommended that she continues to take the 10,000 IU a day for three months and we'll retest her levels. Yes. But because we know that she is, um, her body is not in a good state and we know that her gut potentially isn't in a good state, mm. we've actually recommended that she takes a vitamin A supplement. Now, in normal terms, vitamin A and vitamin D are antagonistic, so yeah. the two compete. Yes. But the reason why we've done that is because she's taking 10,000 are you a day in vitamin D, which is a high level, um, not as high as they prescribe in France, but a really, but a high, yeah. high level for this country. Now, what vitamin A does is vitamin A. Um, right. So let's go back to the gut. So to, if your gut is irritated for any reason, you are unlikely to be producing a decent amount of secretory IgA. Okay. Secretory IgA helps protect the mucosal lining of the guts. Vitamin D receptors line the gut, okay? So if the gut is inflamed, the vitamin D receptors might not work as well. Mm. So by giving her a vitamin A supplement, it calms, it hopefully may calm the gut, which may mean that we can reduce down her uh, vitamin, vitamin D. D supplement. Yeah. But if that 
doesn't work, there's another potential impact of why people's vitamin D levels don't increase significantly or are deficient. Mm. And that could be that she has what we call a SNP on the VDR, which is a genetic um, polymorphism, which means that genetically she is not able to metabolize vitamin D at the same level as somebody who doesn't have that. Yes. So there's lots and lots and lots of things that are going on in the gut. Yeah, yeah. We've, kind of, we've kind of like got away from digestion, but that actually does link to digestion yeah, because yeah. our gut is inflamed. Absolutely. Um, and that may well be something that is preventing her from absorbing her vitamin D. How well, often do you get your clients to check their vitamin D levels? Blood-wise, blood every three months? Every three months, yeah. Do you, go, do you get them to go to the doctors or do you get them to do it privately? I get them to do it, I get them to do it through CTSAs. CTSAs? Yes. Is that um, an online... It's an online and it's, 30, it's either £29 or £30. Yeah, a little bit like many checks, is it similar so, to that? Similar to that, similar yeah. to that. Um, they, clients will get their results emailed within five days yeah. and then I ask them to forward the results to me. To yourself, yeah. Um, and then I look at where their level is and then I go, okay, well, let's do this dosage. Put a plan in, in place. There's a, dose, there's a dosage and then there's a therapeutic dosage and you're actually yes. talking about a therapeutic absolutely. dosage. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. So going back to the gut a little bit, yes, yes, we kind of digressed a bit. Um, what is the, in your clinic? What is the major things that you see walking through your door in terms of gut issues? Bloating and constipation and diarrhea. Is that what the doctor would call an IBS? <laughs> yeah, there it goes again. There it goes. <laughs> yeah, there it went. I knew you might like that one. Yeah, so let's talk about yeah. IBS because I know you, you, your views on IBS are not something that you believe it even exists, is that right? Um, the problem with the title IBS, Irritable Bowel Syndrome, is it is a title that um, covers a whole host of different symptoms. And basically, when people don't know what is causing those symptoms, it normally comes under the umbrella of IBS. Mm. And the normal, the normal response to that will be, um, oh, I forget what the name of the medication is now, but it's a muscle relaxant to stop spasms in the stomach. They'll be prescribed that, and they may be prescribed to go on a FODMAP diet or something like that. Yeah. Now, that's all very well, but it's not getting to the root cause of what's, of why you've got it in the first place. You know, and all these symptoms can be caused by a whole host of different things. And the easiest, the easiest explanation for a lot of it is what we call a traditional western diet so for a lot of people it simply comes down to what they are eating are they mm. eating lots of processed foods is it high in sugar is it you know high in fat is the gut just irritated and it doesn't like it for other people it can be a food intolerance not a food allergy it could be a food intolerance, intolerance. you know and you still with all of this with IBS, you've still got to put stress into the bag as well. Absolutely. You know, and that's a major concern, a major concern. And it goes back to the conversation that we had earlier that your food just isn't being digested properly. And that, you know, that leads you to things like SIBO, which is uh, uh, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. overgrowth yeah. You know, it could be candida with a yeast overgrowth. It could be all sorts of stuff, you know, and a combination yeah. of what you're eating, a stressful life. And, you know, there could even be a food intolerance in there as well. And then... I guess, again, we'll go back to the situation where, you know, because of the gut is such a, I guess, complex thing, right? We may eat a food right now, 
that may have no impact whatsoever. Yes. And then we may eat a food tomorrow that yes. will have an impact. And we then think it's that food. And it might have been the food that we ate now that's yes. been the problem. So yes. it's really hard for people to kind of like, well, I ate a kiwi, for example, yeah. and I was fine. But then I ate uh, white bread and then it, it kicked off. Yeah. It might have not been the white bread. No, Potentially no, no, it could be. No. It could be. So it, it's, yeah. it's a really hard thing to navigate, don't you think? For most people. I, I think that a lot of people actually have an instinct as to what it is that is causing it. Mm. Because even though it can be delayed, and it can, it can, yeah. uh, and you can have a tolerance that builds up. And, you know, I do get people who, you know, are fine eating a certain amount of a particular food, but then when they eat too much of that, it, it has an impact. Them over. Yeah. Um, that's why food diary is so, so important. important. And, you know, from my point of view, if somebody comes in and they've got no clue whatsoever as to what is aggravating them, for me, it's about looking at what are the obvious things that we know cause uh, issues uh, and intolerance. Yeah. yeah. And the obvious things that cause an intolerance are gluten, our dairy, our soy, our nightshades. Uh, they're, they're probably the most common, common. Um, yeah. culprits. Now, it might not be any of those. And then, you know, on top of all those things, you can have what's called cross-reactants. So you could actually have an intolerance to wheat or dairy, but the body perceives other foods as similar and reacts to them. Mm. Um, and this is where we say that you've lost oral tolerance. So people can go for um, uh, an allergy test, uh, sorry, in an intolerance test, and the best intolerance test out there is something called Cyrex, and it might come back that actually you have an intolerance to 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 things. In that case, it's not that you have that intolerance, it's that you have lost oral tolerance and your gut really isn't in good shape. Mm. Um, so what you need to do then is you need to start to, you need to take out various foods, but you can't take out 100 different foods because you know what are you going to be left to eat yeah it becomes so, a very stressful situation again because people are well what am i going to eat i, exactly. I can't have that i can't have that and it becomes that you add stress to their life doesn't it exactly which makes the whole symptom worse even worse yeah so it's around looking at practically what is a good idea to take out see how much better they are and start to work to heal the gut now any restrictive diet doesn't matter what the label on that diet is doesn't matter what the title is is not a long-term solution. Absolutely. It's always a solution that fixes a problem now while we're doing remedial work in the background to yes. then start to reintroduce those foods. So would you say then people go, I guess, in a bit of an elim elimination diet where they... Yes, and, and, that, and it's important to say that the gold standard in identifying um, a food intolerance is an elimination diet. It is not a test. It's yes. not an intolerance Definitely, test. Definitely, yeah. Totally agree. Um, so, you know, people, somebody rang me up a few months ago and says, oh, I've heard about these intolerance tests. I quite like to have one. So I said, so the first question I said was, do you suspect you're intolerant to anything? He went, mm. no. So why so would you want one? Why would you want to do that? <laughs> why, why do you want one then? You know, I said, do you have any gut issues? No. Do you have any symptoms at all? No. Because the minute you start tinkering with things, Things can, you can do more damage than good. Absolutely. You, you never change things for the sake of changing it. There's no, always no. got to be a good reason to do it. 
So let's say someone goes on an elimination diet. They, uh, what's then the remedial work in the background that you do with someone? Right. So the first thing is we follow a five-stage process. So the first thing is to remove whatever it is that's aggravating them. So that could be, if it's an intolerance, it's going to be a food intolerance. Other things could be things like um, parasites, candida, yeast, all that type of stuff. So you'd first do that. Then you would start to work to put things back into the diet. Then you would work on fixing the gut. So you're fixing the gut with um, what we call nutraceuticals. So you're thinking of things like collagen and things like that, which are going to help to heal the gut. Um, and then you move on to, re you can re-inoculate. So if you need to put um, probiotics in, you can put probiotics in. But you don't put probiotics in at the beginning because you've got to work out what the problem is. Mm. And it's only by taking things out that you can work out whether that is the What's problem. What's going on, yeah. And, you know, if you've got a food intolerance, it doesn't matter how much probiotic you put in, you're still going to get the same issue. If you're carrying on eating the same food. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I don't want to come across that I'm anti-probiotics. No, I'm I get absolutely you. Absolutely not. You totally want to you. use them at the right stage in your process. Otherwise, yes. it doesn't it doesn't have the effect that it needs. Yes. Um, and again, for everybody, it's a different it's a different route. It's a different, you know, and if stress is a major driver, you know, you've got to be looking at that um, because you might have a food intolerance, but it might be aggravated mm. by stress. Absolutely. So, so you might have a different response whether you are stressed or not stressed. Yeah. Um, so you have to the body is holistic. And I know we talk about this a lot, but it's not one solution for, of course for, not. It's not the same solution for one person. You have to take different parts. So, the, so the question that people will say is, I've got IBS, what do I do? What supplement do I do? How long is it going to take to get better? What's causing yeah. it? Yeah. I can't answer any of that no, of until course. I know your background, until we've sat down and had a conversation. Mm. And I might not get it right first time. Yeah, yeah. There's more than one. It's so complex. There's more than one reason. Absolutely. Um, but if you're happy to invest in your time and you're happy to go with a science-led, evidence-based approach, then, then yes. Say hello. Yeah. What What would you say in your experience from the clinic um, that will take from the time someone walks in the door with the typical symptoms of IBS to the time they kind of feel and are back to normality? in terms of their digestion working perfectly well, on average, of course, we're on all different. Average, I would say that, um, I would say within three months, they should be ideally back to be feeling so much better. But after the first month, you know, if we've got it right, then they should be feeling a whole lot better. Yes. But it might not be if we've got it right. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes it's like I'm seeing a client next week and we've taken soy out of a diet. Hand on heart, I don't know whether it's soy or whether it's gluten. Yeah, so but you're trying. Know, it's the elimination but diet. But we're trying. So we've taken Absolutely. one out. You and know, see what happens. Because if you take both out, how do you know which one it is? Exactly. Trial and error, right? Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. you know, I would say if you've got standard IBS, mm. and it is IBS, it's not that you've got a parasitic infection. It's not that you've got Crohn's. It's not that you've got something you know, more complicated, mm. then after three months, you should be ideally feeling a whole, whole lot better. But you should have got some good wins before that. Yeah. Another question I want to ask you is H. pylori. Yes. Um, do you come across quite a lot of people who have got the H. pylori infection? No, if I'm honest. Okay. 
Um, the reason I ask that is because, you know, um, people that get GERD and acid reflux, yes. the first yes. thing that the doctor tells you is number one, go on, on, on the antacids. Yes. But then after that, things are not improving, they want to test your face, but I know it's a new thing that the GPs are now doing. Yeah. Um, and if you've got an infection, they give you antibiotics to try and fix yeah. that, which can fuck the gut up in the... Yeah. Antibiotics, yeah. if you're not taking something to kind of... That's another question I want to ask. If you take antibiotics or you're taking some kind of ibuprofen, how does that affect the gut? And what are the protocols okay. for people to help themselves if they are taking, for whatever yeah. reason, antibiotics or ibuprofen on a regular basis? Okay. So... An antibiotic is exactly that. Anti against biotic life, so against life. So what it will do is it will kill some gut bacteria. It won't kill all of it, but it will kill a good amount of it, okay? Mm. So the first thing to do is, if you've been given antibiotics, then you need to take those antibiotics. No question about it. Yeah. Um, and then after that, you need to start to be building your gut up again. Now, on the basis that it is a simple infection and, you know, it's, I don't know, maybe it's an ear infection, maybe it's a chest infection. It's something straightforward. And again, it's difficult to give advice without knowing the specific case. Of course. But if it's a standard infection, then you need to be starting to build it up again. And you want to be building it up, ideally with a varied diet, um, you know, things like garlic and onions, and I tend to find that people... They're prebiotics, either, right? Yeah, uh, and prebiotics, what prebiotics do is feed the probiotic. Um, so if you, and I tend to find that people either love onions and garlic, or, or they, they hate, hate them. It's yeah. one or the other. There's no in-between. It's like, oh, yes, oh, oh no, no, can't be doing with that. Yeah. So, and to build it up with a varied diet. And in those cases, a high-strength probiotic is also going to be helpful. Yeah, is that the same for ibuprofen, would you say? Yeah, well, depends how long you're taking the ibuprofen for. Mm. It's very difficult, isn't it? Um, you know, you shouldn't be taking ibuprofen, really, any longer than three days. Mm. But if you go to the GP, you know, I went to a physiotherapist and I was prescribed ibuprofen for two weeks. Never in a million years was I going to take that for two weeks. That's because you know not to, but That's most people because don't. I knew, it's because I knew not to. Um, and actually, my issue got better within three days, so I didn't yeah. need to take it. Yes, anyway, yes. that's a completely different issue. Um, so, yes, I mean, ibuprofen, to me, the first question is, why do you need to take it in the first place? Yeah. And, and do you need to take it? That's yes. the other thing. If it's been prescribed by a doctor, then yes, you've got to take it. And yes, it isn't going to do you any harm to have a fresh, varied diet afterwards and a high-strength probiotic. Probiotic, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, again, like every, like anything, you know, it's always worth getting it checked out by somebody qualified. Because, of course. you know, the other thing is that, you know, you can be on um, particular types of medication lower your immune function so you know variants of chemotherapy variants of steroids that can lower your immune function and there is some research out there to suggest that probiotics and um, immune lowering drugs is not a combination that should be taken so it's very difficult to give a generic answer to everybody and i know it Absolutely. annoys people no but it is what it is of course and, um, and this is why you should go to somebody who is registered and knows what they're talking about. Absolutely. I totally agree with you. It's, it's everybody's so an individual. 
And I think we need to stop the guessing game as much as possible when we have got issues and we need to go and see an expert. And, and, and if you have got the money, of course, to go and see an expert because at the end of the day, it does come down to finances. But as you said at the beginning of the podcast, you know, investing, investing in your health is an investment. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe look at where your money is going on a monthly, month to month basis. And maybe that money can be invested in, in a nutritionist or whatever it may be to help with your situation in terms of improving your health. Because if your health is on point, everything else around you is going to be on point. Exactly right. Exactly right. Does that make sense? But uh, is, would there be anything else that you'd like to touch on uh, to finish off, Emma, in terms of the gut turn? Maybe some tips. I've already given you three top tips. But anything else that you think people can take away with them to help them in their, in their journeys? I think, um, I think I'll just go over my top tips again, yeah. just so people remember, because they really are really important and they're really basic. Yes. So chew your food properly, manage stress when you're eating, and cook from scratch. They are the simplest three tips which make a massive difference. difference. And then I think tips for people are don't get overwhelmed. Everybody has to start from somewhere, and wherever you are starting from is okay because yeah. everybody has started there at some point. Yes. And don't set yourself a target that is unrealistic. Yeah. If you can only manage one change a month, go with one change a month. But it's one change, it's one step further forward. Um, and if you fall up, so we've got Christmas coming up, and people are going to overeat. It could be Easter coming up, and people have had too much chocolate. It could mm. be birthdays, it could be anything. It's going to go out of the window. Accept it. Try and be aware of what you're eating and try and manage it, but accept it and then start afresh the next day. Absolutely. Because the stress used to worry about it and beat yourself up, about it, makes it worse. Put, it's putting your health back and you might as well have just eaten that extra mince pie because of all the damage you've done with the stress. Yes. That's absolutely perfect. I love that. That's, that's easy and, and some, someone can apply pretty much that to their life immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if, if somebody wants to come and see you in clinic, someone wants to find you online, social media, web, how can they get hold of you? Okay, so my um, website is really easy. It's ewnutrition.co.uk. Um, and or you can find me at, you can find my personal um, Facebook page, which is Emma Wennington, or you can find how uh, nutrition and well-being for professional women. But I don't just see women; I see men as well. Cool. And well, I'm sure once you put this link out, we can put the details underneath. Absolutely, we'll put all the details underneath. If you send me all the links to all the relevant uh, places people can find you, uh, we'll get everything out. People obviously will be able to access that. So, thank you so much for taking your time today My to come pleasure. on a podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure. Maybe we can do another one, maybe on the, like you said, autoimmune uh, thing like fibromyalgia. I think that would be a very, very interesting one uh, in the future. If you're up for it, it'd be great Absolutely, to have you yes. to have a chat. Any, anything that you feel could help the general population improve their health, uh, I'm more than happy to do it on the podcast. It's what these podcasts are about, just trying to share as much as we can with the world to help them be better in terms of their overall health, which is the most important thing, I think, in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, uh, thank you so much. I, I want to wish you a fantastic Christmas. You too. And a new year. And hopefully 2021 will be a successful year for you and your, and your family. Thank you. you thank too. you for your time, Emma. Have a fantastic day. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye.